Did you know that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day? But don't take my word for it. Take, well, actually, you should take my word for it. And here's what you need to do. You need to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Zach. That's www.ZipRecruiter.com slash Zach to learn more there about recruiting the best people for your business the fastest, best people fast. You know that fast, good, cheap pyramid? Well, this is doing it all. This is fast, good, and yeah, you got to check out the pricing online. That's kind of above my pay grade, but Zip Recruiter, check it out. Too, too, too many ads. Here we go. The Zach Kuhn Show. This is fun. We actually met very briefly at a billboard... Awards. I think it was a Billboard Awards conference. I was still in college. Did you go to Syracuse? I, I did not go to Syracuse. I went to Berkeley. Oh, okay. And I think we, you, like, you were like doing some kind of mentor thing at like a round table. Yes. And I was like a kid sitting at that table with like I don't know twenty other students. I remember this. You you yeah. definitely don't remember me, which is which is cool. There's no way you would. No, but no, but, no, but I, rem- I mean I remember doing. I mean I did that twice or two or three times. So I, I mean. For sure. I met a ton of Berkeley people and a ton of yes. Syracuse people. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I so here we are, here we are again. Full circle. Okay, well, I hope I hope I wasn't too much of a dick. You were a huge dick. I was questioning doing this. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, it was amazing. I was That's leaving because I was like in college and I was like, I think I was a senior or I was a I might have been a junior. And I remember it was like with it was with you, and then I was at another table with an agent from APA. And yeah. it like got me super pumped about going into the industry. I was like, and then I got into the industry. And I realized it was horrible. It was a, it was totally misleading. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> some days, some days, some days, some days. So how? I'm just gonna dive right in because why not? Yeah. How? Yeah. How did you? How does the Aerosmith scratch off ticket <laughs> idea come together? This is like my favorite story. Aerosmith's my first concert, probably my favorite band. How does? How does this idea come together? That's, that's, yeah, that, that's one of my favorites for sure. Um, and, and certainly, you know, one of the kind of defining moments in, in primary wave proof of concepts in terms of what we do and why we really believe we are different than any other publisher, because no other publisher does that would, would have, would have come up with this. So basically, when I was, uh, before I got to Primary Wave, when I was at, I was actually, I, I ran marketing at Virgin Records for for a little bit. And um, during that time, I kept seeing on TV these advertisements for these big movie openings in conjunction with some sort of scratch-off lottery card. And it always kind of struck me as weird that, the music industry had never kind of done something similar. So fast forward a little bit, um, on that primary wave, we have you know, the amazing Steven Tyler catalog and we were putting together our, our kind of deck of ideas, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit with you later. But I said to everyone, you know, I've always wanted to do a music industry-based scratch-off lottery card here we're sitting with Dream On. It, it just seems too perfect for me. And, and, and I said to the team, I'm like, we need to find how to get to, you know, a, a major lottery company because there should be a Dream On scratch off lottery card. It's a no brainer. No brainer. It, it has to exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, in the beginning, I was only thinking uh, Massachusetts because the band obviously from Boston. And they said you you were crazy. They said, "What are you talking about? It's got to be everywhere." Yes, yes. We literally, literally, this is like part. It's funny that you bring this up and start with this because it's our, it's Primary Wave's 15 year anniversary this right. year. So, it's really like this, this moment of like classic entrepreneurship. Like Larry Mistel, the head of the company, me, the head of marketing, Seth Faber, like four of us literally piled into a car and drove up to Providence, Rhode Island and met with this company, G-Tech. Uh, and is it easy to get the meeting because you're representing Aerosmith or did you kind of have to hustle the meeting a little bit? No, no, totally. No, we did have to hustle. I mean, Seth 
found this company, GTEC, and made a great connection there. And they were intrigued for sure, but no, nobody had ever pitched them from a, from a music standpoint. So like I said, piled in a car, drove up to Providence, did this whole presentation. And yeah, to, to what you were saying, they're like, you guys are crazy. This is, you're thinking way too small. This, this, <laughs> this is much bigger than just the state of Massachusetts. And yeah, it ended up running in like 11 states. And, you know, for, on the publishing side, it was phenomenal because Dream On was utilized in both TV commercials and the radio Huge. spots. And it, it was great. It was really So great. does that, how do you look at each idea? And there, there are so many fun ideas that you guys have done. I'd love to talk about a couple of them, but how do you look to see, was that a success afterwards? For this one, you've got the sync placements. I guess there was direct revenue flow. Are you looking at other metrics? Do you see spikes in concert sales for Aerosmith in, in those 11 markets? Like, how do you look at the data afterwards? Yeah, no, that's a, that, that's a great question. And it's certainly a bit easier today uh, as opposed to, you know, gosh, that was probably like 12 years ago. Um, just, just because now you can really look at like streaming data and look at the Shazam numbers. Right, you can see, really it see broken by city, and you can you can get into yeah. it. Yeah. Then um, back then, um, you know, as part of the overall deal, we got uh, Aerosmith. Uh, gosh, I can't believe I can't remember the name of the album. They had a new album coming out. We got G Tech to pay for all these bus benches and billboards to support the new album. So. You know, there was definitely incremental sales spikes and downloads back then um, for the, for the new album, but um, it, it wasn't as easy to 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 really monitor the the success. But just the pure fact that you know every we we, we were getting people happening. in these states, you know, telling us about hearing it and playing the game and holding the cards. It, yeah, it it's the coolest partnership ever. So how do you oversee? The, the publishing roster and then I guess the artist roster also in the sense of is it just like mayhem everyone come up with ideas go or do you go okay we did this crazy thing with Aerosmith I guess it was, it was a different time in the company back then but let's just say okay we just did a great deal with Aerosmith now let's move to this next artist what can we do here okay we did something here do we go to the next artist how do you organize it because it's got to get overwhelming right how do you think about splitting the team up and dividing and conquering yeah yeah no it, it's it's controlled mayhem um you know, we, we, as, as Primary Wave has grown and as we've partnered and acquired more catalogs, um, we've, we've obviously adapted a, along with that, right? So, you know, there, it's not a set formula, like every thousand new songs we hire another person, but, but we're very, give very important. And yeah, yeah, give or take. Um, but it, it's, we spend on purpose, we spend, um, you know, each week in our various meetings broken up into the roster. So, you know, tomorrow's meeting, we'll talk about air supply and Devo and, and literally spend an hour and a half going over, okay, what crazy ideas do we have? What low hanging fruit ideas do we have? How is the digital campaign around it? You know, because we've got this massive digital marketing team and a massive brand marketing team. So it's 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 not just throwing everything against the wall. There is a method to the madness, and and it's not as daunting as it sounds to manage the process. As you know, as long as we've got the people and the team executing. Right. Okay. So I have to ask. I mean, I have so much I want to talk about, but I have to ask. How do you, you're like the king of getting holidays for people. <laughs> and since you brought up Devo and you've done this for Smokey Robinson and it wasn't this done like a dare, like didn't someone basically say you'll never be able to pull that off. And you said, I'm going to show you wrong. How do you do this? How do you get a holiday for someone? I want my own holiday. Can I pull this off? <laughs> well, we have to find something that, you know, you put me on the That's spot. worthwhile for I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of your name and like trying to, you know, sound it out with a month, like you know, coon ember or something, but, uh, Could we do that. <laughs> um, so, so, okay. So yes, when, when we sit down with, an, with any artist, we put together, you know, for lack of a better word, a, a marketing deck and I'm, I'm using my fingers in 
quotations because um, it's a it's a deck uh, you know 25 30 pages it's got as I said before crazy ideas easily attainable ideas the whole gamut but the team and I do our research and we know okay we're going into this meeting with Smokey Robinson and we really do a major deep dive whiteboard brainstorming everything you'd expect and then we sit down with the artist and and we present um and it's tough because we do this in two phases one we do it before we get the deal. i was gonna ask so you your team has to do all this work and you might not even get the deal but that's the big selling point primary wave so you have to present the real action steps that you're going to take with the catalog what are some ideas here correct and you know keep in mind we have to take some liberty right so you know some a legend like Smokey, you know uh, you know in you know i've done this for so long but inside i'm still my heart's pounding and i'm sweating like is Smokey robinson and we tell all these artists guys girls like like we're very thick skin if you hate something look us in the eye tell us to f off tell us i hate this and and then we obviously fine tune the deck and when we actually have the deal done, then we've got the real ideas that we're really going to go after, right? So, yes, I'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but... No, I love this insight because this is what I'm wondering. I'm wondering how this all comes together. Okay, so you come up with this idea for a holiday for some artists. So, so yeah, so specifically, again, on Smokey. We, so we sit down with Smokey. It's like, you know, page, you know, probably, probably the fourth or fifth idea in there. We get to it, Smokey literally looks at us and goes, looked at me and said, Adam, there's no way you're getting me a holiday. And in the deck, it was, we are going to create National Father-Daughter Day based on Smokey Robinson and his song, My Girl, right? What better song to represent song. the relationship between a father and a daughter? Um, and and yeah, he, he's, he's like, there's there's no way you guys are going to be able to do this. I don't believe it. Anyway, he was, he was being very nice and, you know, like, you know, smiling, but he's like, there's just, there's just no way. And yeah, man, like you said before, we were like, all right, Smokey, you know, challenge accepted. And, uh, you know, again, one of my team um, reached out and had conversations with um, a number of the major greeting card companies and American greetings thought it was absolutely brilliant and you know then and and forevermore the second sunday in october is national father smoky robinson's national father daughter day so do you is all you need to have the cards lined up does that create the holiday or do you do it no you what, need what's the minimum thing that you need to have a holiday you well well we so we got it you know um officially stamped or officially named through i think it's called gosh i think it's called the chase book of of national holidays you know anybody the thing whatever the thing is the thing is the bible of holidays it's it's um, in there it's in there it's in there the second sunday of every october right yes. is this holiday do you celebrate this yourself with uh this I is I have a daughter. My this is when when I was going through it. It was you know I was like this is perfect for my daughter and I. So yes, of course. So is this? So do you now put this into your like book of tricks every time an artist comes? Do you, is is it okay? Can this artist have a holiday? Because we did this again with Devo. So is this like something that is always in the back of your mind? Is there an opportunity here for an artist to have a holiday? <laughs> it, truth be told, no. I mean, we it it's. We, we don't like to really repeat our bag of tricks. You know, sometimes if it's so, so on the nose and makes sense, then yeah, of course. But um, I, we, we can't go promising holidays to everybody. You've heard it here. If you sign with Primary Way for everything, you're not guaranteed a holiday. Don't expect <laughs> it. It's not going to happen. But do you go on like, like where, like if I was coming up with these ideas, like I feel like I'd be going on like long walks and I would be, I don't know. Do you like, do like morning pages like Julia Cameron of the artist uh, way. She's always, you know, she, like, how are you coming up with all of these creative ideas? Do you have a method for it? Or do you just hang around in a conference room and just brainstorm for hours? Typically, um, so so typically, well, especially with the pandemic, I mean, I, I walk 
I go for a walk every single morning for an hour and a half. So that's now. But in the past, usually on my, I've always, it, there's always been some sort of commute for me. So it's during that time, whether I was driving or taking what, you know, bus, train, whatever, that's where I would really kind of, right. you know, go into it in my head. And yeah, I always like to, I always like to go into all of our brainstorming meetings with a list of at least a few ideas. So there's, there's the thought starter process and, um, you know, not relying on everyone. I, I do like to begin each meeting with, okay, guys, look at these four or five, what do you think, you know, can we make it happen? And then it starts the dialogue going from there. Okay, fair enough. And then how big, like what crazy ideas have not been able to have been accomplished? Are there any we can talk about? Like how big do we go and who shoots it down? The, 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 that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked that surprisingly there there's, so for, gosh, I'm just trying to remember if it was, if, if it was in the Steven Tyler deck or was it in the smoky deck? Um, my, the, the biggest idea that, that it wasn't shot down. It just hasn't been able to happen is I wanted Again, I can't remember if it was Aerosmith or Smokey, but I wanted I wanted Primary Wave to be the first company to have their artist perform at the halftime show on Thanksgiving at all three games. Okay, it's never happened before. It's never so, happened before. No. So th this came to me one day. So you start, and, and, and I'm like, okay, you start in Detroit and you're getting from Detroit to Dallas, because always Detroit and Dallas are the right. first two home games, right? But it's the third one that kind of screws everything up. Because, okay, Detroit, you can get to, to, you can get to Dallas, that should be okay. But, you know, if it's in New England, can they get from Dallas to New England? And, and you it's know, tough. right. So it got to a point where we did have conversation with the NFL and they were like, we just can't take that chance that some, some, you know, nature, mother nature, you know, whatever prevents that from happening. But I thought that was just like. So That's why it would be so amazing though. If you pulled it off, I, I think it's worth the risk. I know. I know. We've got to, how do we do this? Can we try to make this happen again? Or what do you think is the door closed on the uh, trifecta? on the turkey it's a turkey for a turkey i mean come on it's the <laughs> it's the turkey game i th i think this is brilliant we've got to make this happen somebody is going to en end up stealing it and making it happen shoot we'll cut it out of the podcast someone's gonna <laughs> take it so okay so going back for a second you start out in the industry if i have this right at chrysalis records as a marketing coordinator right or so how, how do you get the gig at chrysalis how, how'd you break into the industry i um I, I, I interned a couple of years, my last two years at, in, I went to Ithaca College, my last two summers, I interned at Atlantic Records. And um, then when I graduated, I, I had a friend who worked at Chrysalis and, you know, I, 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 I wanted my band to succeed. I was, I was a singer in a band and I thought we were gonna be famous and I was gonna be a famous rock star and all this magical stuff was gonna happen. And um, my friend at Chrysalis said, hey, you know, we could use some kind of like intern help, you know, even though I graduated and I, um, you know, I was waiting tables and bartending. And I said, you know what, sure, let me uh, have a foot in reality just in case the whole music thing goes awry. Um, so I started as an intern at Chrysalis, and then three months later, I guess I was so good, they offered me a job as an assistant in the marketing department. And really, as they say, the rest is history. So how did you know? Because if you follow your career, you were at Chrysalis, and then you were at Virgin, and then you were at Arista, or I may have this backwards, and then Island Def Jam. How did you know it was time to switch labels, or what happened each time? Did an opportunity come? Did you find another position? How did you know it was time to move to the next gig? Yep. Yep. Um, it, it, there's been, there was a, there were various reasons for each of the move when literally I went from Chrysalis got taken over by EMI and SBK right. back in those days. So literally in the middle of 1997, not, not, not sorry to bore you, but EMI shut down like everyone from the head of the company to 
the lowest paid assistant, literally got shut down. And um, so, so that forced me to have to go look for another gig at that point. So I ended up going from Chrysalis to Arista. And then I was at Arista for a while. It was amazing, like, like best time, one of the best times of my lives. I was working for Clive Davis and then Clive got let go. And then L.A. Reid came in with Larry Mistel. And that was, that's how I met Larry. Um, and then Larry went to Virgin and he asked me to come with him to be the SVP of marketing. So and there. this was kind of a crazy time at Virgin Records, right? Because didn't, when you guys start, did the whole label or did the whole roster kind of fall apart starting with sort of like the Janet Jackson moment? Like what was happening at Virgin at the time? It was kind of a crazy moment, right? Yes, <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> it was a crazy time and it was definitely a major shock to the system coming from Arista where, and where literally we had just, I mean, I, I was the, I was the marketing person for Avril Lavigne, Pink, Dido, Sarah McLaughlin, we had Usher, we had right. it was stupid, it was crazy. And, and then and then all of a sudden I'm thrown into Virgin Records and Janet Jackson just had the whole, we, we got there right after the whole Super Bowl. That happened, right. Thing. So MTV War would not play any Virgin videos because of that, they took it out on 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 Virgin and Larry and I. Isn't that in. like isn't that the most frustrating thing? And then what didn't like the Rolling Stones like because didn't Virgin just sign the Rolling Stones if I have this correct? Yeah, right, right, right around but, that time. Yes, and and they're totally everyone's blacklisted from MTV. Isn't that isn't it's that crazy fun. that that happened? Like it's all it's like unfair, isn't it? <laughs> crazy, absolutely crazy, and it just was a very very tough, you know, year and a half or so. Um, but, you know, again, I, you have to take, you have to learn from everything. And, and I made new relationships there and things can't always be great. And, you know, my loyalty to Larry was, you know, the, the reason I, I went over there. And when he goes, oh yeah, yeah. No, 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 go ahead. I was just, so what he goes and he, I mean, there's a great story about how we raised 60 million, which might be my favorite raised story on the planet. Um, and then when that happens, do you, does he just bring you with him right away? Is that how you end up with Larry and Primary Wave? I had um, about uh, about a year gap um, because as Larry was was doing this, pulling off this miraculous raise, and 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 that that is true. You're you're right. And um, we've got to tell the highlight of the story, which is he's trying to get money from everyone. Nobody's giving him money. He goes into a final meeting. He walks out of the meeting. He leaves the books in the meeting. The next meeting comes in, picks up the books, and they decide to invest. Is that the story? Is that the shortest version ever of this story? By the way, you're hired. But yes, <laughs> and, and, and yes, it still it still sounds absolutely insane coming out of someone else's mouth. I mean, really, but th that is the truth. Were you there? I know you said there was a year break, but were you following this story along? Like, this is like the craziest, this is the best story ever. <laughs> I, I was following it because Larry and I, like literally, I mean, every, if not every day, every other day, Larry was emailing me or texting me saying, dude, you have to come join me. You have to come join me, right? right? You're, 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 you're missing out on some of this stuff, which is amazing. And I, you know, look at that point, um, you know, be quite honest, my ego got the best of me. And, and simultaneously, Island Def Jam had reached out to me to come over there, leave Virgin, go over there and be the senior vice president of marketing. And, you know, at that time in my career, I thought, holy crap, you know, this is you know really the big time. Yeah, um, right, right. And... Again, I was, I mean, Larry and I, I couldn't have been more honest with him and transparent and, and literally showing him financially how I needed to do this for my family. And because, you know, starting Primary Wave, it was purely- Very risky. It was risky. It was entrepreneurship. It was, you know, pull up the bootstraps and all, and every cliche you could think of. And um I, I just, I'm like, Larry, I just can't, I, I'm dying to, and then literally 
I'm, wa- I'm, I'm watching every freaking day. And there were great people at Island Def Jam and amazing bands. I, you know, Killers were on top and Fall Out Boy. And, you know, I'm sitting in marketing meetings with, with Jay-Z, you know, because he was one of the executives uh, and Rihanna and Bon Jovi. And, um, but then I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll get a call night going, hey, we just, we just met with Courtney Love. We're, we're, we're buying Kurt Cobain's catalog. And I'm like, excuse me? So my, my, my time at Island Def Jam did not last very long because I had to get out and go to the primary wave. It just, it just, I had to do it. Had to do it. Does Larry always say, I feel like every interview I hear with him, he always says it's better to be lucky than good. Is this like his catchphrase? Does, is he always saying this? Um, and what I'm curious is he says it like it's real advice. And what I want to know is like, how do you take that to heart? Like, how do you manufacture the luck? Like, how do you think about this? <laughs> I, love, I love these questions. Um, he says it all the time. Yes. He says all the time, right? That's his line. <laughs> yes. That is his line. Um, and I think we've all uh, adopted it. What does that mean? How do you put that into your life? How can you be lucky? I mean, how does it work? Well, it's not that how you can be lucky. It's just that it's better to be lucky. It's better to be lucky than than to be good, right? So, you know, you could be you could be great. You could be, but but everything you do, you you need kind of a little luck to to pop in there, right? To really, again, as brilliant as anybody is, as as creative as anybody is. Whether you, whatever you believe in out there in the universe, a little bit of luck had to be kind of tossed on top to, to, to make that success. So Fair that's, enough. Yeah. Okay, so the Nirvana catalog gets purchased, and did you were you on the, were you part of the team that came up with the with the get his lyrics on the side of the shoes? Was that you or was that before your time? That was right before my time. That was Justin Shukat. Um, one of the one of the founding members, and and I mean Justin was another reason why it was, I was so I had to be a primary wave. I mean, again, Larry and I were friends. He was one of my mentors. Justin Shukat is over there. He was literally my assistant at Arista Records. Like we all we all knew each other. We all genuinely liked each other, and that just added to the reasoning for for me to go over there. But but yes, yeah, so Justin came up with the idea for the Cobain Converse, which is freaking, again, that and the and the Aerosmith scratch-off tickets. You're off with a bang. You Primary are. wave is you off are. with a bang. Go, go to any meeting and I go, okay, has your publisher ever even approached you with this concept, let alone execute it? No, I don't think so. So there were, yes, Justin was, just, that was a great freaking idea. Do you see other publishers today, and I, I guess hypnosis might be on this track, although maybe it's still too early, but it's been 15 years of just incredibly innovative ideas, brilliant concepts. Have you seen other publishers kind of try to take this approach? Because it feels like there's no one else, even the smaller companies or whatever, like it doesn't feel like there's that many people that are that innovative in the publishing space. You know, yeah. I mean, the short answer is- Minimal. You know, I, I know. I mean, I, 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 again, I'm not trying to be arrogant or- But I or, think it's kind of a fact or it's, it, I just don't see- Zach, it's a, it's a, it's a 100% fact. And again, yes, we don't know if hypnosis is going to start, you know, adopting some of the things that we've, that we've been successful at or not. Um, But no, the majors for sure. um, Never, I don't know if they never tried or they tried and it just didn't work or their, you know, the number of copyrights are just too insane to really dedicate the proper amount of marketing behind it. Um, or in some cases, I'm sure, and I mean, they've been so good at it, but just like they, their, their amount of real estate is so great that the calls come in for great songs. So what, why did they have to spend money to make, make some more money? Right. It, it, it's already flowing. How are you thinking now with targeting, you know, legendary artists to, let's say Gen Z, there was obviously the big moment with Ocean Spray and Fleetwood Mac. Is this something that you're thinking about now? How do we you know, reach this new generation that's super digital? We've got these legendary iconic artists. How do we get them in front of kids so that their legacy can sustain? How, how do you think about this right now? Yeah, no, we, that's, that's something we think about all the time because that is 
part of our pitch when we initially sit down with these artists. And, you know, we, we're, we don't say it flippantly. We really pride ourselves on coming up with, with ideas and concepts to get to Gen Z. So, you know, yes, the dreams thing, man, I don't even know what to say about that, but was take- that planned? Did anyone plan that? Or was that totally random? The guys on the skateboard with a song. Again, Larry says it's better to be lucky it's than better to be, to be lucky than it is to be good. Yes. I mean, that's the perfect example of that. But but I will say that for someone like Paul Anka, and I don't know how much of, of your audience is familiar with, with Paul Anka, but you're talking about, you know, an a, 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 a icon who's about to turn 80 years old. He He wrote... You know, he wrote the lyrics to My Way, Frank Sinatra's My Way. He wrote, um, you know, wrote for Tom Jones. And I mean, he's just massive. He wrote Put Your Head on My Shoulders, just massive, massive hits. And a normal person would say, okay, you're not going to get, you know, similar to Smokey saying to us about the holiday, you're not going to get Paul Anka trending on TikTok. It's just not going to happen. And our digital team is so good. And we went out and when we first saw that Doja Cat had used a piece of Put Your Head on My Shoulder um, as, as, a, as a bed to one of her songs, we are, Justin immediately went to Doja Cat's management. Our digital team immediately starts a whole TikTok campaign, you know, utilizing Put Your Head on My Shoulder. And it just, it grew and grew and grew. And it ended up being, so big again, Paul Anka trending on TikTok. I I would bet almost anything that he's the oldest person to trend artist. on TikTok. Yeah, I really do think that. And and it's and it's and it's shown he now has, and we're, we'll we'll certainly see this once the touring opens back up. But he would say to you right now, I I get stopped on the street by fifteen and fourteen year olds, and they sing "Put Your Head on My Shoulders" to me, and he is just, you know, floating on air from, from that. It, it, and, and he really expects, as do we, once touring opens back up, you're going to see younger year olds there with their moms or the grandparents or whatever. So it'll be very, very interesting, interesting to watch this. But again, that was all the power of Primary Wave. The power of Primary Wave. Don't bet against it. What happens when the dreams thing takes off does your team start internalizing saying, okay, we're in the middle of a moment here. How do we capitalize on this? Like didn't some of the members of the band then get on TikTok and, and did you think, how do we accelerate this or with things like that? Is it even possible to do anything or is the fire so big that it's like, you know, it's already taking off. Yeah, no, that is, that is a tougher one to, to really try to amplify because it, it got so big so quickly. Um, as you said, the, the, the band members actually jumped on it and and you know magnified it not or amplified it um so it, it, it that's a little bit more difficult for us to really add anything of of substance to the campaign without it starting to become very forced and very right. easy and and we really really don't want to do things like that right 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 how have you been thinking about, I'm assuming probably over the past couple of years, as more and more DSPs are opening up in international markets, how do you think about marketing in like China, Russia? Do you think about this where these are markets and cultures that we have less, that we're not as familiar with? And how do we come up with meaningful brand partnerships or marketing opportunities in these areas? Yeah, we do. We, we've been spending a lot, a lot more time looking at, at what opportunities could exist so, you know, as an example, um, we recently, uh, in the last two months, brought on uh, Natalia. Chief, Natalia. Um, and, you know, Larry and I have known her for years from her time over at the agency group in UTA, and she's fantastic. And, you know, she is speaking to various musicians and record company people in Russia and in China. And what we're, what we're looking to do at first is have the DJs over there 
in those in those territories who are successful already and already have a huge following and huge Spotify or, or whatever DSP exists there, right? Numbers there, have them do new versions of our songs, right? So, so it feels culturally except or what, what would the word be? It, it, it fits in with the culture, it does. It does. And especially when we go, we really dive down and we look at somebody like an air supply, for example, who has, believe it or not, uh, they're a tremendous following in the Philippines. So, you know, our A&R team, somebody, of course, has, you know, connection over there. Next thing we know, uh, an artist from the Philippines is doing a version of an air supply song and it, it takes on a whole new life. So we're constantly coming up with new ideas, new ways to reach, I mean, you know, this, this is such a huge world, obviously. So there's, there's limitless opportunities. Limitless opportunities. Do you, are you focusing a lot of time right now on in-person marketing, experiential marketing as the world's starting to open back up? Is there, as festivals are starting to happen, is this becoming the new thing for the next six months or a year that everyone's going to be focusing on? You know, it's, it, Man, your questions are good. Um, everything for us has to somehow affect the earnings of the song. Of the publishing or, right? or the masters if you have them or what, whatever it is. Correct, correct. So it, it, it takes a while to get in the right mindset, especially when, when, when we bring new people in and they're like, let's, you know, let's, let's have this person on the Thanksgiving day parade. Let's and that. Well, that doesn't really, you know, maybe streaming will increase a little, but how does it really truly affect the earnings? So yes, the, the short answer is yes to your question, but we have to look at it more along the lines of, okay, we have Whitney Houston, right? We, we, we own 50% of the Whitney Houston estate. We've been doing a tremendous job. What is there in the experiential space with, with an artist who isn't living? So yeah, we're working on right now a, a significant um, uh, mobile installation for lack of a better word, right? Something similar to what the Rolling Stones have done and David Bowie right. has done, um, but for Whitney and and obviously music will drive the entire program. And this will be something that we will look to start in New York, but branch out into multiple cities. So from, from that aspect, that's how we're looking at the experiential side where we are producing and creating along with this company, Five Currents, um, a whole Bob Marley immersive um, project based in Las Vegas. And, and we're, we're on track right now to open sometime in 2022. So things like that, that that's, that's how we need to think. The music needs to drive everything. We need to be able to affect the earnings of the music. Right. And you've got to think like the brilliance of the Aerosmith deal was that if it did nothing else, you got the money from the sink with the Kurt yeah. Cobain deal. The lyrics were on the shoes, which I think was carefully thought out right. because by having the lyrics on the shoes, you were able to cash in with each shoe. So it's how does each deal, how can, if possible, how can each deal actually directly contribute funds? Exactly. To the catalog, right? That's the. Yep. Josh Rothstein tells me you are the king of puns. Is this true? What, how often are you slipping in puns into the conversation here, Adam? <laughs> not going to put me on the spot because I'm not going to be able to come up with anything. But yeah, well, yes, some would say puns. Some would say bad dad jokes. There's a very, very fine line. Fine line between the pun and a bad dad joke. It's almost, you know, it's almost unnoticeable. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, I do like to, I do like to, to slip that in and make people laugh. And, and sometimes they... You know what? It started. It started with. It started with talking about before. You asked me about ideas that we haven't been able to to achieve. There is another one, and that is. And this does go in most decks. I'm 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 being honest here. It's for the first time revealing this. Um, ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor. Yeah, it's been something that literally when I was at Island, I 
thought I was genius, and I came up with this idea for Bon Jovi. I wanted to create an ice cream with Ben and Jerry called Bon Bon Jovi. And it would be vanilla ice cream with little bonbons mixed into the vanilla ice cream. And I'm like, oh my God, uh, this is God, this is great. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. I'm like, I'm running around like I, I I'm the best. I'm the best. And um the manager is like, eh. And I'm like, really? So it never went anywhere, but I always kept this in the back of my mind. So talking about the puns, yes. So every, every time we do a deck. There's an ice cream pitch. What's the ice cream flavor? Okay, Melissa Etheridge crumbed my window. Um, you know, I mean, I gosh, I mean, they're literally every. <laughs> Who, I think only two artists have ice cream flavors with Ben Jerry's. It's uh, Cherry Garcia and Fish Food. Is there, are there any others? I think there may be a couple of other oh well bob marley has uh does he have a flavor i guess it, it it's it's um what do you call it where it's where it's not, the, it's not, not cyclical it's is he i feel like he is on the on something this, this is before we obviously were involved with him but yes he has a recurring flavor but it's not a constant flavor. It's, we need we need adam to come in with a pun for it now jenny's ice cream just did a dolly pardon partnership and they did a dolly. They did a dolly flavor. Really? Yeah. Jenny's Jenny Bauer at Jenny's ice cream might be might be your way in here. I, listen, I will have. I have to make this happen. This is this is my. I want. I'm a huge ice cream fan. I grew up in New York. We would go to the Ben Jerry's factory sure. when I was a kid. It's the best. I'm a massive Ben Jerry's fan. And my brother actually, um, in his childhood bedroom, has every Ben Jerry's flavor stacked up on his bookshelf like he's obsessed with ben jerry's oh, i think this is a great idea it speaks very personally to me i want to make it happen yeah, i want to see you make it happen i'll cut you in man anyhow cut me in. yeah it was all my idea how about the alice cooper hot sauces how does that come together how who makes those were you trying hot sauces or did you find them somewhere that was one of the deals that came in through um Rob, who runs our, our digital team, he's kind of like our jack of all trades, um, and, and Jeff, who runs our branding team. That was really, um, I, one of the hot sauce companies had, Rob had reached out to them because we also represent uh, Def Leppard. So we were you know looking for cool ideas with some of our rock bands. And again, it was one of these things that just made too much sense for, you know, welcome to my nightmare and poison. poison. Yeah, yeah. So good. So perfect. And yeah, I mean, we're, you, you know, I'm not trying to be coy, but you should be hearing in the next few months or so a real um, major outlay of the Alice Cooper hot sauce in, in, in major restaurants and, and major food chains. So we're, we're, we, we love it. Now, again, this is, I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself or, or being a hypocrite. There are things, there are concepts that are just too good, even if they're not going to throw off significant earnings on, on the public. They're just clever and they're almost low. Relative to pulling off a holiday, a hot sauce brand is maybe a little bit easier compared to other things. It, it, it is, it is. And, and, Something like the hot sauce brand can obviously gets takes on a life of its own, gets Alice even more press, gets him spoken about, maybe makes a supervisor say, hey, I forgot about Alice Cooper, right? These all, all works, have right. long tail effects. Or it all, I think like, you know, by like Larry trying to raise the money, he got lucky by putting out these hot sauces, you get lucky by doing something, something else comes of it, or you never know what happens. And Shep Gordon says that Primary Wave is like the one publishing company that's ever provided value for Alice, right? Isn't that true? He, he has said that. He has said that. And he's, you know, an amazing partner. And I think, I think he, well, I don't think, I know he sees, again, I, and I, I hate sounding like I'm beating a dead horse, but a, a public, any publishing company is never, ever going to approach a Shep Gordon or any manager for that matter and say, we are going to create a line of hot sauces for your client. It, ju it just, it just not in the mindset of, of, of any, of any publisher. And I really, the, the, one of the beautiful things is that the Shep Gordons and all of the managers realize that 
in the beginning, I, I could see it in, in some of their eyes, especially the newer managers, right? As we're having these conversations with them and the artist. And also we have a management division, right? So they're probably, this is, you know, this business, you know, can be shady at times, right? And yeah, right, right. I'm sure several of them have in their minds, are these guys going to try to take my client from me after we do this deal? And it's so not that at all. We really want to be a partner. We want to be Shep's, you know, triple a you know farm club and let us do the dirty work so um i think throughout the years you know we've proven that that is really the case and that's kind of the price like you guys prefer to only buy 50 percent of the catalog or, or whatever it is as opposed to you guys well you prefer not to buy catalogs full out typically right correct we prefer somewhere between 50 and 80 is is the sweet spot but yeah we want we want the artists and the managers or the estates to be incentivized. And, and we're, we're going to make the piece that they hold on to even that much more valuable by everything that we do. And we want to have this constant dialogue and back and forth. And, you know, nobody, nobody knows, nobody knows their catalogs better than the artists themselves, right? No matter right. how much of a, a geek I might be about, you know, Marley or, or, or Sun Records or whatever. I'm never going to really, really know it the way Sedella Marley knows it or the way, you know. Right, right, right. We want, so, so we, we, we need them as part. We need them in. We need yeah. them in. What have we left out here, Adam? We, I, we've, we've said so much. What's been left out? Ali and AJ's song come out this week, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken. It was on New Music Friday. What, yes. What's been unsaid? What have we left out here? Um... Gosh, well, well, that yeah, on the management side, you know, we're we're yes, Ali and AJ, um, we we're extremely excited, you know, to be able to represent a band like them. They they're they're just phenomenal. This new album is phenomenal. Uh, Josh Rothstein and our brand team are doing tons tons of things for for them, and I really hope, you know, this time next year. I mean, they're they're going to be on the main stage of Lollapalooza. Whoever would have thought that Ali and AJ would have been on the main it's unbelievable. So we're really, really proud of that. Um, I mean, our management roster is, is really diverse and really cool. I mean, we've done amazing things with Melissa Etheridge and we have Belbiv DeVoe and Isley Brothers and Cypress Hill. It's Plain it's, White Tees. It's, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's a great balance and it's great to have kind of the publishing side and the management side play off of each other. And, you know, we're all one big company. But it's great to be able to use the different leverage points for for. You know, is the like do you, how how do you oversee marketing on the on the management side versus on the publishing side? Like, is the team split up where it's like there's people who do just publishing, people who do just management, or is there more crossover? How does that work internally? Yeah, yeah, no, we we we've tried it both ways, um, and and we still we still kind of experiment with different things, but it really at the end of the day it makes the most sense. To, to treat it as one team. So a, a digital marketing person, you know, will be, could be working a management artist and a publishing artist. Um, it's fluid. It is, it is very fluid. And it, again, it really, it really helps from a the leverage perspective, right? If, they, if, if the person who's handling Melissa Etheridge have, has this amazing opportunity that Melissa can't do, we can then, you know, convert it to one of our publishing clients. Right, right, right. So it keeps it fluid, keeps it keeps it moving easy. What is the publishing book that you always, or I'm sorry, the marketing book? What is the marketing book that you always recommend uh, to people? Do you have a favorite book that you always like to read or reference about on marketing, even if it's not about marketing, but puts you in the right mindset? It, it, it's it's not necessarily there's not necessarily a book, but what I what I always say along these lines, and I'm sorry if I'm not answering your question specifically, and I may have even said this to you when 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 we were at that round table but anybody any young person who's listening if i could go back and speak to my 25 year old me um go out and network as much as possible and i know obviously take this year you know year plus out of it once everything opens back up no matter how tired you feel no matter how exhausted your day has been, 
you've got to force yourself not to go home and sit on that couch and 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 veg out. You got to go out a couple, three, four nights a week, go see live music, go up to people, introduce yourself to them. I wish I had done more of that, but I was just so, you know, shy and 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 nervous, you know, to to take it to that level. But those who can overcome that and those who are great at that, there there there's far more opportunity for you. That's uh, that's why I started the podcast to do this. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, it's 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 amazing that you do this. And by the way, you by the way, you did you you um I saw a couple of days ago uh you spoke with Ken Davenport. Ken, yes. we brought him on as a consultant in the theater space. Holy cow. Just, again to add another piece to our offerings, right? I mean, Smokey Robinson wants I hate sorry, I keep saying Smokey. Smokey wants a musical or you know, Devo wants a musical or, or whoever. We now have that available. So Ken is our, our That's guy. so cool. And he just announced, I know he's doing the Neil Diamond musical, which he, yes. which was just announced in New York Times. That is, that is so cool. He's, he's to me, is one of the more, I'm very in, into that world also. And he's easily one of the most innovative producers right now that's around. I mean, he's, he's okay. brilliant. We love him. Great to see you. Stay well. Zach, thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. Wow. Love that episode. Adam Lauenberg on the podcast, Primary Wave Head of Marketing. Great episode, actually. Really fun talking with him. Thanks for listening. The Zach Kuhn Show is mixed by Sam Heyman, and our theme music is by Justin Johnson. If you want more content from us, you can subscribe to our newsletter at nashvillebriefing.com. Or you can follow us on socials, everything at Nashville Briefing. That was a great episode. Man, I love that. But by the way, you know, we talked a lot about publishing in that episode. And if you're interested in some other episodes on publishing, we have a great episode with Ben Vaughn, the CEO of Warner Chapel. We also talked last season with Beth Lair, the head of Creative Nation, another amazing publishing company in Nashville. You know, we, we bring you some good content here on the Zach Kuhn Show because we care. We care about it. You know, you know, there's a lot of care going around here on the Zach Kuhn Show. And let me tell you something else which you might not know. The Zach Kuhn Show is part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network. And we're proud to be part of it. We really are. And I mean, there's some great shows in this network that you should look into and, and check out. You know, there's a show, Surviving the Music Industry, which I listen to regularly because, you know, I'm trying to make it through the music industry one day at a time. Okay, that's it. I, I'm getting too excited here. I got to get out of here. I'm, I'm done for the week. We'll see you next time. Bye.